Michigan Short Track Racing Authority is Horsepower Happening. Curtis Roberts, welcome to Horsepower Happening. The Northport, Florida driver, Danny Sams III, welcome to Horsepower Happenings. Travis Stemler, welcome to Horsepower Happening. Steve Irwin, welcome into Horsepower Happenings, my friend. Director of Race Operations for the ASA Stars National Tour, Joe Ballas, welcome. Over 50 years of industry experience, from behind the wheel to behind the microphone. Here comes Stambaugh into turns three and four. Stambaugh to the lift. Stambaugh sideways, Greg Dolman wins. Yeah, guys, wholesale uh, right side tire changes. That that seems to be the decision. All down mode. Exclusive interviews every week. Hear from drivers, track owners, series promoters, and so much more. You know, after about eight hours of months in medical center, they uh, they were pretty adamant about me staying out of the car for quite a while. It'll be at least my first stab at driving a race car that I haven't prepared from end to end, that I'm not calling the shots on, all of that, all at once. Plus, local news, analysis, and opinions you didn't ask for. She is not going to have any excuses. That is some of the best equipment there at Anti Camp and Racing that money can buy. This points fund is massive. These races are massive. These are some of the most high-paying races in the country. From the north side towing of St. John's Studio, presented by CNT Services, here are Zach Heiser and Rich France. Good evening, race fans, and welcome in to Horsepower Happenings on a rainy and stormy Monday night, but nonetheless a big Monday night. Lots of stuff to recap from a huge weekend, weekend of racing, and a lot to talk about that's coming up this weekend, so let's get into it. Here's what's happening in a Motor City Minute. Let's start with the world of NASCAR, where... Uh, the haters are going to hate on the Brickyard format, but you know what? Michael McDowell's okay with it. The number 34 Ford went back to victory lane for the first time since his Daytona 500 triumph, and he beat out drivers like Chase Elliott, who of course we know is a road course ace, Daniel Suarez. How about Tyler Reddick and Alex Bowman completing the top five in the NASCAR Cup Series from the Brickyard, and then the Xfinity Series. Ty Gibbs goes to victory lane ahead of Sam Mayer, AJ Allmendinger, Austin Hill, and Jason Algaier rounding out the top five, and then IRP, Indianapolis Raceway Park, playing host to the NASCAR Craftsman Truck Series. Ty Majeski gets it done and punches his ticket to the next round of the NASCAR Craftsman Truck Series playoffs. Can you believe we're talking playoffs already for the Truck Series? Uh, Christian Eckes in second, uh, Riggs in third, our buddy C-Note, Carson Hosevar fourth, and Zane Smith rounds out the top five for the trucks. And then CRA four crown for the street stocks. Guess what? Let me uh, newsflash. We're going to talk more about street stocks tonight than I think we ever have in the history of horsepower happening. So why not? Let's kick it off that way. Dalton Connor, this young kid, keep an eye on him. He holds off none other than Chuck Barnes. For a win at Anderson Speedway, Barnes gave him the bumper in the middle of turns three and four, got him all sorts of dirt track sideways loose. Barnes said in post-race, I wasn't going to win that way. I backed out of it, let him gather it up. And the win gave Dalton Connor the CRA four-crown championship as well. So uh, a $5,000 day when it's all said and done for Dalton Connor to pick up the win. Those things and so much more happening tonight on Horsepower Happenings. Good evening. Welcome in. I'm Zach Heiser. Rich France joins me from across the way. And a good Monday to you, sir. Good Monday to you. I, th I figured, you know, I'd have a one-day duty after doing four <coughs> days of duty last week. That didn't work out well. Yeah. Double duty again this weekend. Yeah, you're going to be busy this weekend. You just found that out, too. So I, I deflated your bubble before we could even get started. <laughs> well, I, I, this is, this, we're getting busy. That's the problem. We're getting toward, you know, we talked about that last week. Uh, we start getting towards the end of the season, and everything's a big event, Zach. Specials and, uh, and multiple-day yeah, shows, big yeah. money. Yeah, we're going to talk about it. But uh, So I just got to, you know, get ready, do some push-ups. Get loose, yeah. Get, get loosened up. 
Well, Rich, uh, we, we never like to start a show this way. And again, uh, again, again, it's been a tough season for it. And this one really caught a lot of people off guard, Rich. Sad news today. Front wheel drive racer uh, who's been seen at tracks all across the state. Ed Walsh Jr. passed away Sunday as a result of a motorcycle accident. Social media today filled with tributes and condolences to his family. Um, uh, his uh, green and purple number 53. Most recently, Rich, I saw him Friday at Hartford. He pulled in. He's got. He had one of the most unique haulers. He took an old fifth-wheel camper, hollowed it out, and there's his enclosed trailer. You can see it through the blinds of, of the hauler, so it was really cool. Uh, and he was at Butler on Saturday, finished third at Hartford and ninth at Butler to uh, close out his career. So uh, a good weekend and uh, tough weekend, though, for his family. And, of course, Rich, as you know, our thoughts and prayers are, are with his family and his, his wife and his kids and um, just everybody. I mean, the social media tributes today were touching. You, you never really realize how many people these race car drivers affect until they're not here anymore. Yeah, we just don't notice it, right? I mean, you know, all weekend at Wood Tech, like I said, it was, you know, with, with Bob Wilson, it was just yeah. quiet. It, it just wasn't the same atmosphere. Everybody was still racing. Everybody still did their job, um, but it was just missing something. Yeah. And you don't realize that until something like this happens and you won't notice that until the next front wheel drive race next weekend. And, uh, you know, any, and it's not there. So, um, no prayers to his family. And, um, you know, man, hopefully, uh, this is the last one of the season. That'd be Gosh, nice. that would be nice. Well, I tell you what, just like we said last week, the show must go on, and uh, that's the way everybody would want it in this industry. So let's talk about it, Rich. Our buddy Chad Finley, he's been as far as the NASCAR Craftsman Truck Series. You mean the dirt late model driver? The dirt Chad late Finley? model Chad Finley? Dirt late model driver Chad Finley? This boy can drive anything, Rich. <laughs> he went back to his namesake's uh, really groundwork, Rich, and uh, he still knows how to drive these things. Yeah, and I don't I don't know how he does that, but I mean he he'll he'll swear to you or he used to swear to me in a car. No, I don't I don't like pavement; it's too boring. <laughs> <laughs> um, but man, every time he gets in one, he, he, it's pretty impressive. Uh, we were trying to keep up with everything on Saturday as I was at Flat Rock, but uh, he kicked off the day not real good. He had dry shaft or rear end issues or something. Uh, never had a chance to get out and practice. Just came out to qualify right out of the gate, no laps on the car fifth quick uh and then when the race started he just put it in the gear inside the inside the first 30 laps took the point um and then it was basically the chad finley show after that a lot of attrition from what i understand up at birch run for the real reveal the hammer event um he was never seriously challenged along the way jason felver mark shook phil bozell and andy bozell zach would round out the top five at birch run yeah, well, I tell you what, uh, this is good uh, tune-up opportunity for him. Uh, sounds like he'll be in the Rosebrook car at Bob Finley Memorial coming up in uh, just a few weeks. So that's what I understand too. <laughs> Look at listen and, to the sigh. <laughs> <laughs> he just comes off a five thousand dollar to win All Star Performance event a week ago. Right? I know, a little over a week ago. Then jumps in a late model, wins another five grand, seventy five laps. We should get a loan from him or something. I tell you what, and we're friends with Chad and Jeff and the Finley family. He told me back in May, we're not racing much this year. I got the business going on and, you know, the dad's deal, and we're not going to be racing much. <laughs> I called him out then. I'll call him out now. <laughs> He's full of it. <laughs> He's full of it. Well, Rich, when's the last time you went to a racetrack and had double features? Man, we don't see that very much anymore. Usually if an event gets washed, it's washed. But double features Saturday at Butler. Uh, Berlin. 
Every week, that's about it, right? Yeah, that's really about the, the only time. Doing it. That's about the only time you see it. So uh, the the pits at Butler overflowed. They had to open the back gates to have more parking access for the drivers who showed up. And uh, I'll be honest, Butler was met with a, a tough. They were dealt a tough hand. Um, wind, sun, and hot on Saturday, and a lot of racing action scheduled. They struggled with the racetrack. Uh, it got very dry, very dusty. They had to pull the first feature off to put more water on the racetrack at one point, and it ate up tires. But people who could figure out how to do their throttle control got it handled and my buddy boston mead started on the pin of the uh of the makeup sprint car feature so this would be under results for august 5th and he went all the way to victory lane his first win of the 2023 season he held off thomas Schinderly, who i was told was the fan favorite for that event started on the outside pole and just could not deal with boston mead finished in second our buddy keith sheffer jr from 10th to third one of the biggest movers of the race kevin newton finished in fourth and andy chahowski rounded out the top five in race number one. Dirt Car UMP Modifieds saw Brad DeYoung, the driver that we normally see in IMCA Modified driving. He went from, uh, well, actually, I should say part of the DeYoungs that we normally see in IMCA Modified driving. Uh, he went from sixth to victory lane in the first feature ahead of Todd Sherman, Robbie Henderson, Kevin Reeve, and Josh Lamal, who rounded out the top five. So that's the August 5th program. Then, somewhere about eight hours later, it felt like they got to actually run the August 12th program, which was a $500 to win special for four cylinders plus four 10-wing sprint cars and dirt car UMP modifieds. Jet Man started on the outside of row number two and somehow made his Hoosier racing tires go to the end, finished in the P number one ahead of Boston Mead. Josh Turner in third, Reese Saldana fourth. Ryan Myers rounded out the top five. Rich Dirt Car UMP modifieds. Dylan Nussbaum, we talked to him earlier this year after a torrent start that he had. He's back in victory lane from the outside pole. Clayton Smith, your buddy, Clayton. Really? P2 at Butler Motor Speedway. Great run for Clayton. And get this, guess where it says Clayton Smith is from now on my race pass? It's not Canada, is it? Hillsdale, Michigan. Did our buddy Clayton pack up and move shop? Uh, they, he sold, they sold the business. So we'll have to talk about that. It sounds like Clayton lives pretty darn close to your buddy Zach now. Josh, yeah, Josh Lamal like. in third. Mario Toniolo in uh, the fourth spot. There's an Ontario Canada driver for you. Brad DeYoung finished in fifth. Rich, great job to those top five drivers. But Rich, my buddy, our buddy, Corey Bevard, after battling health concerns through the offseason. Great to see him back. Great and throughout the whole back. summer, Finally got cleared by doctors to return to his race car. They battled some ignition issues. He didn't get to run uh, the Saturday night feature, but Corey Bevard got back behind the wheel on Saturday. I know a lot of people were happy to see that. So Corey was happy to happy to do that. I mean, that is, you know, and we used to, and we we watch him every summer and kind of keep track of him. And, you know, it was just something missing. And then when I saw that he, he got the go-ahead, I was so happy for him. Yep. You know, so pretty they, cool. They had some ignition problems. They'll get that figured out, though. Allie and Corey, they'll, they'll get that handled, and he'll be back to championship form in no time. Rich, uh, you were celebrating a little bit last week. Uh, we talked about the midweek shows that were going on. How about Wednesday? I don't Wednesday? know about celebrating. <laughs> I don't know about celebrating. Uh, well, nonetheless, Wednesday. I love a good performance when I see it. That's Zach. right. How's that? That's right. But when speaking of good performance, Wednesday was a pretty good race. A little bit of strategy, a couple, uh, couple of tire changes, and a good race became kind of a snoozer at the end after it was all said and done. Yeah, well, you, you know, everybody, when we previewed the battle at Berlin, you know, we talked about a bunch of guys that maybe – battling up inside the top five and have a chance to win. And a lot of them were at one point or another, but uh, 
you really had to work through the tire strategies, work through the pit stops. And, um, you know, now it all came to fruition on why Bubba Pollard came here a couple weeks ago and kind of ruined the show in the 75 lap feature that he won. Yeah. <laughs> um, Bubba Pollard gets by Evan Shotko late and drives away. And I think we're seeing a different Bubba Pollard these days than we used to see. Man, remember, Pollard's there was now, a time. Pollard's now a thinking driver. He is not rough and tumble, and I'm going to drive through the pack, and I'm going to stink up a show and, and just run away. He will ride second. I think he let Evan Shotko go for a little while, knowing he was going to get another caution, knowing well, it. Well, and, and he went through that time where Bubba Pollard couldn't buy a win, uh, no matter what it took. And you, you kind of wonder what that does to a driver. And now he's come back, back with Seneca, and just lights out, right, over the past couple of years. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this year. I mean, he's really winning way more than he's won in three or four years, right? Uh, we used to see him. If this car wasn't right, he'd park it. Yeah. You know, handling, <laughs> handling, handling. He does not have handling problems much anymore. Uh, not at tracks he's used to. But Bubba Pollard got around Evan Shotko late to take the win in the Battle at Berlin 250. Chase Elliott would get by Shotko in the final laps as well to grab the runner-up spot. Josh Berry and Kyle Crump would complete the top five, Zach. There you go. All right, let's talk about <clears throat> the Great Lakes Super Sprints. They had a doubleheader event over the weekend. Friday, Hartford Speedway uh, over on the west side of the state was the home for the Great Lakes Super Sprints and a great weekend of racing. If you did not catch the Great Lakes Super Sprints this weekend, first and foremost, you have to go find uh, the Great Lakes Super Sprints on YouTube and re-watch these videos because they are a dandy. Let's take you to Friday night. Where, uh, again, 18 or, excuse me, uh, uh, 20 so cars unloaded at, uh, at Hartford Speedway for the penultimate race at Hartford. We go back on Saturday, September 9th to Hartford Speedway. So, um, really a kind of a great tune-up event for this one. After it was all said and done, a great two-lap shootout to settle the win. Brad Lamberson, Max Stambaugh, Mike Keegan at the front of the field, but inverted. Keegan, Stambaugh, Lamberson, green flag waves, three laps to go. Keegan rockets down into turns one and two. Here comes Stambaugh up the inside, and as he does that, Lamberson goes from fifth to third. Print it in the ad, two for one deal down the back straightaway. Into turns three and four, two laps to go. New leader, Max Stambaugh, and here comes Brad Lamberson. He is on the tail tank of Stambaugh. Follows him the next lap around. One to go signal. Now he's looking inside. Crossover move to the inside. Slides up in front of Stambaugh. Exit of turn two. Almost hits the backstretch wall. USPS ain't got nothing on the airmail that Max Stambaugh sent into turn three. Slide job city. I don't know how close it was. But you couldn't fit a dollar bill between the tail tank and the front bumper of Brad Lamberson and Max Stambaugh. Lamberson turns in underneath. Drag race to the line, photo finish, Brad Lamberson picks up his second win of the 2023 season. Uh, Stanball will have to settle for third. Mike Keegan, who was leading at the time of the last restart, fifth. Third went to Jared Horseman, who spun on the opening lap and got sent to the tail. Came from 19th back up to third. The results don't show that. It says he went seventh to third, but let it be known he went 19th to third. Chase Ridenauer finished fourth. Keegan in fifth. Nice run for Kelsey Ivy. She started on the pin, had a tire going down sixth. Garrett Saunders seventh. Jay Stonebach eighth. Dustin Daggett ninth. And Keith Sheffer Jr. rounded out the top ten. Saturday, go all the way across to the other side of the state, up in the thumb, and you'll find Silver Bullet Speedway in Owendale, Michigan. A little light on the uh, car count. 
but not light on the action. Greg Wilson, Creed Kemenaw put on a show. Again, 23 green flag laps. Creed Kemenaw, Greg Wilson. It's Kemenaw who jumped out to the early lead. Wilson tracked him down in traffic, made the pass, and Kemenaw said, no, 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 sir. I'm 17 years old. You're not going to have it that easy. They took Ostrowskis three wide into turn three before they hit Hoosier Racing tires and then traded bumper paint down the front straightaway. It was more contact than I've ever seen in a sprint car without one going upside down. And guess what? Kevin Martin spun at the top of turns one and two, so we had... A green-white checker finished to settle it. Greg Wilson pulled away, no problem, picked up the win. The restart allowed Dan McCarron, your new track record holder, with a 12.8-second qualifying lap. Finished second. Creed Kemenaw will settle for third. Stamball fourth, and Dustin Daggett rounded out the top five. Rich, two of the most exciting Great Lakes Super Sprint Series races I've seen in a long time, and caps off to the drivers because Silver Bullet is a tough racetrack. It's usually follow the leader. We don't see a lot of passing there. Greg Wilson and Creed Kamenaugh, what a show on Saturday. I thought I saw, on, when, when I was looking at the lineups, uh, when I had nothing else to do, I saw, I, th I think Keegan was going to start on the outside of the front row or something, and I said, he could stink this thing up at Hartford, yeah. you know? And then when you told me what happened, I was like, are you kidding me? Because <laughs> I would have lost a lot of money if because I would have put it on Keegan for sure. Tough weekend for Keegan. He had a tire going down as well and uh, also had a mag box failing. He dropped out of his heat race at Silver Bullet, Rich. Didn't start the feature. Loaded up and went home with continued issues on that race car, and they were a long ways from home to not start the feature. So a uh, tough break for Keegan, but I know they're excited to get back to I-96 coming up on Friday. Well, Zach, another race we were talking about, the Hot Shoe 100 went off this weekend at the Owasso Speedway. And I believe, just because I was busy and I wasn't there to visit, I think it was about 45 mods that actually showed up. I think they were expecting a little more than that. But uh, I don't think it really would have mattered. Uh, a gentleman picked up his third Hot Shoe 100. Blake Rowe, Matt Dimmitt, Aaron Taylor, Doug Meyer, Josh Ware would complete the top five. So, uh I think they're going to have to rename this thing. Maybe the the Blake Row 100. Man, I don't know. Lately, it kind of seems that way, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, it sure does. But let's let's kind of get get to the source, and we'll find out what he thinks about it. Uh, the winner of the 2023 Hot Shoe 100, Blake Row. Welcome to North Power Happenings. Hey guys, I'm doing good. Thanks for having me. Uh, they get time to change the name now, or what, my friend? <laughs> <laughs> well, Brian's got one more of them than I do still, so. I made that comment during the interview afterwards. I'd like to tie him up before we, uh, you know, before we uh, hang up our modified stuff or whatever. But I, I don't see that happening soon. It's just uh, it'd, be, it'd be cool to tie it up with him. That's all well and good, Blake. But how many racetracks has has Brian won the Hot Shoe One Hundred on? Uh, he did it all at Woodmore. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying. Uh, I mean, <laughs> each of your wins have come at a race, different racetrack, man. What is it about this event that just falls right in your wheelhouse no matter where we go? I honestly just think the longer shows helps, man. Like, everybody that modified races is, you know, really used to the 35 and 50 lap races. And with us doing all the, mo uh, the late model races anymore, like, those to me hardly even, like, click, you know, it's, you just feel like you get going when the checkered flies. So a race like this, you know, it honestly, even at lap 100 felt like what the heck we're already done, you know, but, <laughs> um, I kind of, you know, I kind of just feel like the longer races falls into our wheelhouse and, you know, we build a car that can go the, go the distance and some others don't. So it just works out really good for us. We, we ran into each other at the red bud 400. And I, that's probably one of the times I've seen you most upset at, for whatever reason, 
well, I kind of had a general reason why after watching your race car on the racetrack. But how do you, uh, how do you get over that? And you don't, you know, so you have problems with the super late model. You can't be fast every week. But every time you get in that modified, you're, you are up there and you got a chance to win. Yeah, you know, the late model stuff is just, it's still a new um, new challenge for us. And obviously, racing with Stan and Judy now um, brings, you know, its own, like, new sets of things to learn and get better at. So, you know, I guess you just got to be careful how you set your expectations based on experience and things like that. And the competition at the late model level is just, you know, even one notch higher than, than the modified stuff. And, I mean, the mod stuff is really good. I'm not taking anything from that. But um, so you got to set your expectations accordingly and, you know, I mean, the Red Bud deal, we, you know, we had a good weekend going. Um, I made a, a really late call to swing big at it for Q and it went backwards on us. So, um, you know, we, we rebounded and ran, ran, you know, respect, respectfully in the race, I thought. And, uh, you know, we'll just keep building at it, man. I mean, that was my first ever 400. So, um, I was just, you know, honestly tickled pink to, to finish all 400 of them and have all the tires pointed in the right direction. Uh, it did cost Stan a couple body parts, but I think it's just about to be expected down there. Oh, I, listen, Kyle cost him more, I think, and he won the damn thing. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah, we were about eight positions shy of that one this year, but I'm sure we'll take another stab at it next year, and we'll be better for it. Let's go back to modifieds, Hot Shoe 100. Um, you know, the, the more that you, whether it was the 57 or the 131. I think the more that you dabble into the template stuff, we kind of forget about you building your bed in modifieds. And then the Hot Shoe 100 rolls around, and it's like, oh, God, we're going to have to deal with Blake. Um, there's been a lot of conversation, and I bring this up because of your experience in so many different avenues. There's a lot of conversation today and yesterday about the format of the Hot Shoe 100. And I'm sure that you've heard or saw what it is, but for those who haven't, um, there was a little bit of criticism about there not being a way to realistically race your way into the main event if you can't do a good hot lap and put down a qualifying lap. I want your opinion on that, and I guess that's where I, st I stop for now, is, is what are your thoughts about those who are... Critical seems aggressive, but that's really what they are doing is criticizing the format of, of not having a way to race your way into the big dance. Yeah, you know, I don't know. I mean, like, don't get me wrong. I've been on the side of the fence before where I was begging Bud race morning um, if we could race our way in from the B. The, uh, it was 2017. I missed the show by two spots. Um, you know, we had finished third the year before and, you know, we were out the year, you know, the year after. So, um, I don't know. I mean, I definitely get it. Um, I, I definitely see the desire for them to allow people to transfer through, um, or for competitors to want that. But, um, you know, I think Bud and them were allowing that the first few years and nobody was taking it. Um, because quite honestly, after you run 50 or 60 in the B and you, you know, get bounced around by a couple of squirrels or whatever. And the tires ain't pointing in the right direction. You don't even want to go and start the A, um, especially considering the B, you know, pays a little bit more than it does to start the A. And, you know, you tag the tail. It's hard to, hard to really make up big ground. So, you know, I don't know. I mean, maybe, maybe next year, and this is just like thinking, you know, maybe a little off the wall or whatever, but maybe next year they could say like top 16 or, you know, 18 lock in through qualifying. And then it's like a, uh, you know, preliminary feature style, 
you know, two or three prelim feature style deal to make up the rest of the field. I don't know. I mean, and, and that's exactly like, what I was going to really say. What they want. Yeah. And that's exactly what I was going to say is, you know, lock 20 in through qualifying, give your B main winner and, and give your B main podium, the option to start the a, if they don't take it to hell with them, we're starting a 22 car or 20 car field based on qualifying. Um, and I wonder if that is a solution where everybody's happy because the fans still get to see a C and a B main, and they still get to see a twenty or twenty-two car field that potentially could be a, a you know a twenty-four or twenty-five car field, just depending on if those podium drivers take it. Um, but like you said, there's no there's no perfect answer. Um, we don't see forty-five to sixty car fields except for once, maybe twice a year, and they just so both happen to be here in Michigan this year. Yeah, I, I think if I think the maybe the most appropriate way to do it, and it's a little more difficult for the racetrack, but it's maybe the best option for the racer. Which I, you know, I don't know if that's the best option for the fans or not. But <laughs> if they did like a prelim night, you know, with a couple support classes or whatever, and we qualified, qualified the modified and ran the B that night and forced them to transfer through or whether they ran the B and then ran a couple, you know, that way you got time to work on your point. car and fix exactly. anything. Right. Okay. Exactly. Cause if you, if you know, if you got bounced around in the B and then we're told like, you know, tough break, you're starting at the tail. Yay. Like, you know, I, I could see the, the hesitation to that, you know, like if you're wounded, like you're never going to compete in that race. It's just not going to happen. You know, even on a good day, like it's hard to compete. So, I think they'd have to do it the night before, and I just don't know if that fits what, you know, if the racetracks really want to run a Friday and a Saturday, like if they feel like they're splitting the fan count or anything like that. And so, let's be clear. I don't know. The, the B-Main paid well, right? The guy that won the B-Main oh, yeah. isn't, isn't, isn't whining that he didn't get to start the A. It's just the guys that felt, I, I'm going to call him out because I know he'll be okay with it. And he posted it on social media. David McManus, right, had a mm-hmm. absolute missed a tire. Tire was wrong through Hoosier. Had it go soft. Something, right? Qualifying effort was garbage. He fully expected to be in that A main event, and wasn't. Uh, and, and so then it brings to light the question: More people jump on board, and now we're talking about it. Yeah, you know, and like you know, like I started with. Uh, honestly, I've been in that situation before, and you know. This is a this might be a cold take, um, and like I'm not I'm not saying anything bad about you know David or the work that they've been doing this year, but if you look at their qualifying effort even on a weekly night, like I've you know people may have been saying he was backing or whatever I don't you know I don't see that out of David every time he's on the track even in practice he's hung out sideways 110 <laughs> percent and he's not and he's not qualified well all year, so I. You know, hey. although his qualifying lap, he had issues. Like, there was no doubt he was way further off. Sure. But I even questioned going into the weekend, like, he was one of them that I, it, it just wasn't going to surprise me if he was sitting right on the bubble just because his qualifying speed hadn't looked like it was where he wanted it to be. Look you at, know, and look like, at Blake not, Rowe with the race really analysis. Good, <laughs> look at you with the, with the racer analysis right now. This is good stuff. Yeah. This is the preparation yeah. that you do going into these events, isn't it? Yeah, and I mean, you know, we've we've had the opportunity to race up there with them once or twice, and I always follow the modified stuff, anyways. So, um, I mean, like at Birch Run, lights out, man. I mean, he's fast time every night, you know. Um, and that, like, that's just again, like, supporting evidence to me that it's not like he's been at a Wasso Bagger or nothing. I I don't see that out of that group. I just I just don't know that they've had the fire off speed they wanted. And it, man, it takes everything to get into the <clears throat> to the big show with these guys. It's it's intense. Like, take me back to this weekend, of course. 
pavement modifieds, you get more practice than you do in the race, right? So they, they, I believe they had a practice session on Friday before Saturday. Kind of take me to, I don't know if you practiced on Friday as much as everybody else did. I saw a bunch of guys on video uh, hot lapping on, on Friday. And then kind of take me through your Saturday. Yeah, we uh, we didn't make a boatload of laps, honestly. Like we were pretty good off the trailer. We we raced a couple local shows up there this year to try to get ready. Um, so I had a couple changes built into the car before we went. Um, so we we fired off really early in the sessions and we're happy with what we had. So we kind of just sat around and tried to pace ourselves because they had like four hours of practice or whatever, God. you know, Friday. And I mean, hey, like I guess we're out of towners or whatever. It's nice, but. <laughs> Like you, you've got enough time there to wear a whole drive train out if you care to just make laps, you know? So we, we might've made five short sessions, short, short sessions out of it. Um, and we're really happy with it. I mean, we were on top of the board at the end of the day, Friday, and I honestly felt like the laps we'd put together weren't great. Like, you know, it was a little bit out of control. Um, and we made changes to that. And then, um, we sat around and expected it to rain Friday night, which when it rains or like, somebody blows up and they drag tires or anything at Owasso right now, it just takes all the rubber right up off the new surface and it gets really slick again. So, you know, we were a little bit tight at the end of the day Friday and I thought like, you know, we were sitting pretty cause when it rained, we'll, you know, tracks and come back to us. Um, and every ounce of rain went right around the racetrack Friday night. It tornadoed <laughs> in Perry, like five minutes down the road. Holy crap. And hailing and all. Yeah. I mean, supposedly it was really nasty, like five minutes from the track and it was sunny all night and all morning, you know, Saturday morning. So, um, when we started Saturday, it was like we were just backing all of our changes back out of the car that we put in it to, to tighten us up because the racetrack was just getting so wicked tight. Um, I thought I thought I had us good enough to queue, and we were just again bulldozing tight. And, you know, I was I was really disappointed in that. We only went like a twenty-seven or something, and yeah, I mean Trevor's lap at an O. I think he went an O five was really good, but like I said, I mean we, when we went an O eight on on Friday, we were like wrecking out of control. I, I was really surprised we went that fast. So I, I thought if we could have got us, you know, freed up a little more, we might have went just as fast. But, you know, honestly, like with the way they format this deal, if you can qualify first or 12th, it really don't matter because you're in the redraw anyways. So, um, yeah, I mean, it, you know, it was just a really good weekend rolling all the way through. We didn't have to make a boatload of laps. Nothing funny happened for us. So, um, you know, everything, everything leading up to the race is really good, honestly. But that doesn't surprise you, right, when Trevor turns fast last because he does that everywhere he goes. It's 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 if they make the right right adjustments to get get to the end and have a chance to win. Yeah, I mean, there's no doubt. If if you want to like list off a couple guys real quick and a modified that are just gonna qualify fast, it's somebody like Trevor Barry or Jeff Gannis or somebody that you know, quite honestly, typically a little hung out and you know, 150 percent. But that's what it takes. I mean, like they they've got that figured out. Um, let's analyze qualifying a little bit because, um, and David, if you hear this, I'm sorry, we're picking on you, but you watch David go out and, and you see what they do. You have your analytics that you've prepared throughout the week. Um, you are the 41st of what does it end up being here? 46 qualifiers. It looks like that, uh, that ended up taking time on Saturday, are you nervous at all? Are you watching the track improve? I mean, so let's analyze this real quick before you answer. Trevor Berry, 45th qualifier on the racetrack. Josh Ware, second quick, 42nd out. Matt Dimmitt, 36th out. Aaron Taylor, 43rd out. Steve Pelkey, uh, 31st out. There's your top five. You roll 41st out and end up eighth quick. 
are you concerned at all, or do you see the track is getting faster, or that the groups are getting faster, and you got a pretty good shot of, of qualifying toward the top? Yeah, I, I kind of felt like, I, a lot of the guys I watched early in qualifying, I really felt like they weren't approaching it, at least the way I planned to. Like, when when I was up there working with some, some template cars at the Jegs race in the spring, you know, I mean, everybody was wicking off, like, you know, 1480s and 90s in practice, but they were doing it on, like, lap four, you know what I mean? Like, they, it was past their money lap when they'd go fast, you know? So you'd watch all these modifieds roll out of pit road, because they didn't know no better, and you know, kind of just try to get right up to speed and they weren't really working too hard at trying to fire the right front tire off or nothing. So watching all these guys bulldoze tight, you know, like, I guess I kind of had that like pre weekend knowledge just coming from Jeg's weekend, seeing what happened to all them, you know, I kind of, I just felt like they approached it wrong. So, you know, I already knew going into it that we were going to roll around there for three quarters of a lap and just absolutely abuse the right front tire at 50% speed, <laughs> just trying to get some temp build down in it. Um, and, you know, like I said, I mean, we fired off really tight anyway, but um, I guess I wasn't super nervous about it just because I knew, like, all weekend we had enough speed to at least get I felt like we had enough speed to get in that top 12. I mean, we were a little co- closer to the cut than I wanted to be, but um, <laughs> I guess I really wasn't super nervous about it. I mean, like, again, not to take anything from the modified guys at all because they're super-duper competitive, but, like, you know, I mean, on Wednesday, we had, you know, 35 of the best supers there, and, you know, a couple weeks previous to that, we were you know, with all the, all the best guys at Anderson and stuff like that. So, I mean, like you just kind of get a little numb to it, which is a good thing. I mean, it, cause it takes the nerves out of it, but you do get a little bit numb to it. And if you don't step back and, and appreciate it, you know, it'll all pass you in a flash and you won't really realize how cool it was to do it until it's all over, you know? So you got to take those moments to appreciate it, but it is nice to kind of have all this extra experience to just, you know, build on and, and be better because of it. Now, most people would say this, anybody that knows about, knows the difference between a pavement modified and a Jegs crate car. How the heck can you take information from one to the other? Because I don't think there is one thing on either one of those cars that's the same. Steering wheel. <laughs> that's about it. Maybe. <laughs> maybe. Maybe. Yeah. Steering wheel. Yeah, no, that's fair. But it's it's the track surface that throws everybody's for, everybody for a loop. It's It's so... The surface is so perfect right now. There's no ag, right? There's no there's no rock or like aggregate to get up and get a hold of the tire um, and make it really like work. Um, so getting temperature in it's 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 a real trick, you know. Um, so like I said, just watching the Jegs cars take you know an extra lap or two to fire off was like a real eye opener. Um, and uh, Brian Campbell, he he uh, realized that at Jegs weekend when he qualified because he was like the very last one to go and he was the only one that got a chance to capitalize on that because everybody else is already strapped in ready to roll. Right. So, um, you know, it's just a little stuff you got to observe like that. And, uh, you know, I, it, like I said, the racetrack is very unique, especially to the area because everywhere, everywhere in the Midwest is just flat worn out, wants to chew a tire off of it, rolling through the pits. But, you know, also you'll go as fast on lap 90 as you do on lap one. So it's just a very different animal right now. All right, 100 laps is the distance. Uh, thanks to the way that everything works out, you roll off outside of the front row. And if you look on my race pass, that's the entire story. Uh, if you look on this, you could just say, well, Blake Rowe won the race into turn one, and that was the end of it. Was it that simple? Uh, I mean, you start alongside Curtis Spencer, who ends up seventh, but you got guys coming, right? Uh, you know, Nick makes his way from the cutoff spot in 12th. 
Aaron from 11th up to the podium, and then Matt Dimmitt right behind you from third, who I imagine was on your tail the whole race. Um, how how did these 100 laps play out for you? Yeah, I mean, honestly, the first, like, 55 of them were smooth sailing. We went green to the fuel stop. Uh, but, I mean, I knew at lap one, like, we were going to have to work really hard. It was going to have to be 110% to get around Curtis there. Just because, I mean, A, he was really good, and it's it's a place he's got more laps at than I do right now. But, um, B, you know, if you get hung out on top, it's going to be hard. You're just going to get freight trained. So, um, it was it was hammered down for two laps and do everything we can to, you know, work our way around him. Um, and then it really was kind of smooth sailing. We got pretty deep into lap traffic uh, before the fuel stop, which was advantageous. I mean, when you get to him, you, you pick as many of them off as you can because they're ultimately cars you don't you you kind of uh i guess handicap the remainder of the race right if things don't go right our way they're sure. they're buried anyways so well i want to ask um, you can we, can we let's stop right there for a second because we know and we've talked about it every single time we talk to somebody who races at owasso rich or i will ask him all right what do you think of the surface it's going to be the end of the year before we see a second groove blah 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 blah. and then i see leaders have to deal with lap traffic and i'm like okay they they're gonna have to go one of those two cars is going second groove and we're going to see what mm-hmm. happens. How do you handle lap traffic on a racetrack that's so locked down? Yeah, I mean, we had to go top shelf to get around them. That was the deal. Um, and I felt like, you know, I felt like we were all right up top. It's not, it's not a place that you're just going to, like, run around when you're an open racetrack. Like, old loss, I mean, you were, you know, right now it would be the fourth groove. I mean, you were way up there just to go fast, wow. um, which I do miss. But um, it, this, this place is going to come around in a hurry. I mean, honestly, I'd get to the top of somebody, and it wasn't, it wasn't like you're on ice ice skates. Like we were up there in June. Um, that was our first time up there. It was like mid June. And I mean, if you were in the second group, you were on ice skates. It felt like somebody was oil on the racetrack down the front wow. of you. And now it's, you know, now it's, you know, definitely better, but it's probably still a 10th off of the bottom. Um, so, you know, I really figured you give that place till the end of this year, let it age through the winter. Um, you know, get a nice harsh Michigan winter on it. Um, and that that might bring it around some, but it, it's so smooth. I mean, you know, you're gonna make you're gonna go the shortest distance you possibly can, right? That that was ultimately what made the top of Old Owasso so so powerful because it was really really rough down around the down around the apron. So, um, but the racing's good. I mean, like I, I was nervous about it, but I, I really do believe you know you give it the winner, it'll age in. The top's just gonna marginally come around, you know, as time goes on. I mean, you're gonna have template cars up there next week and going for almost 200 laps. Yep. Outlaws gonna... up there the weekend after going for a hundred sprint cars weekend after that. I mean, they've got a lot of big tire cars that are just going to pound rubber into that place. And that's what it needs. I mean, so. All right. So lap traffic, no problem. I mean, was there any moment in this race where you thought, uh, this thing could slip away or was this just a, and, and I'm not discounting it at all, Blake, but was this a comfortable hot shoe 100? I was maybe a little less nervous than the, than the past ones. Like, and honestly, just because the car was like so stellar, right? you just don't get cars like this frequently. But I will tell you, the 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 brake pedal hit the floorboard after the fuel stop. <laughs> oh and, no! Uh, oh no! I've I've never had that happen on modified before. But that just tells you like what it takes to make speed at Owasso. These are open wheel race cars, boiling brake fluid. It's insane. Wow! And don't get me wrong, like we have you know, spent time and money and, you know, doing everything we can to put the best parts at it. And we're still having issues. So I'm sure I wasn't the only one of them, but you know, I went down into one and hit the floorboard and I'm like, Oh crap. 
like, <laughs> you know, we're only at 55. Like, what, what am I going to do to go the rest of the way, right? So it just you just had to reacclimate a little bit and, um, you, you know, change entry points and stuff like that. Dragging that the brake the all the way around, right, to keep pressure built up? Or do you pump them? Yeah. What do you, what do, you do? Well, yeah, pump, yeah, pumping them with the flag stand. I mean, it's... It, it was something. It, it was new. It was a new experience for me because even the late model stuff, I haven't had brake fade quite like that. So, um, but you know, they're steel. They're steel calipers. They got to be OEM style. So, um, you know, it's definitely not like late model big four pistons on them. But um, that was that to me was the nerve wracking point was that I had probably went a little too hard for the first fifty five and um, you know overworked the brake system. But um, you know, we were able to get her to the end anyway and. Um, you know, Matt put up a really strong fight on every restart. I felt like we probably started our pressures a little too low um, for the restarts. If it would have been a five-lap run to the end, it might have been a different story because I wasn't able to just run away from him at, at the start of them. But, you know, 10 laps in, I felt like we were super-duper good, like just really into the racetrack. Um, but it, it did take us a little bit to get fired back off and get rolling. Like we talked to a lot of guys that, you know, might – and I, I really don't like to use the word easy time of it because I think – any race you win, you've earned it every lap of it, right? But those last 20 laps, um, are you listening, hearing different things in that car that you haven't heard the first 80 and and you're trying to figure out what the heck they are? Yeah, I mean, you definitely get paranoid, man. Like, you know, you, or even when you just get around lap traffic or like, you know, the rubber starts, you know, really building up and you like start moving your mark around a little bit. Like, yeah, is this really where I need to be? Like, I haven't been here all night, you know, like, you know, so that's where, to me, like, having, uh, you know, a really good spotter in here is important. It's just somebody on the outside that that is a level head um, and has eyes on the surface and can see, like, where you're better or worse than people and, and keep that information flowing to the driver. Um, that, to me, is what keeps my head on straight, you know, just knowing, like, you know, where are they better or worse than me? Like, where am I getting beat? Where do I need to go to work on? So that I can focus on that stuff rather than, you know, why does this thing sound a little different than it did earlier, you know? Uh, why does my brake pedal feel different than it did three laps ago? Like, you know, as long as I can focus on what I got to do to drive, like my mind is busy enough at that point. Cause the last thing you want to do is have a driver, uh, brain fade issue after leading 90 laps. <laughs> yeah. You know, and like, that's, that's one thing that I will say just having a little bit of experience with some longer shows now is really helping me with like just a lot of silly things that I used to do during the weekend that I don't do now intentionally to, to keep myself mentally stronger for the end of these things, you know, cause you, you're definitely right. I mean, any distraction, um, you know, it's costing you lap time. It's, it's, you know, raising your ability to make a mistake, anything like that, you know? So, um, I do feel like I'm at a, you know, at an advantage in moments like that, just because of experience and it's priceless, man. Like there's no doubt about it. All right, Blake, uh, I know a couple of things that the general people don't know, and I don't want to name drop. I don't want to number drop. I don't want to talk about oh, what. Come on, I love it when we do that. No, because <laughs> i gotta, I got to protect everybody's backside here. Um, you win the Hot Shoe 100, and then the Masters of the Pros is coming up on Saturday, and, and I know there was a, a slim window there for you to get a chance to be a part of that, but it doesn't sound like it's going to happen. Um, so I guess my question is, now, after having won the Hot Shoe 100, how many phone calls have you got from guys who said, okay, if you're not going to be behind the wheel, I want you up top. <laughs> Are you going to be there yeah. Saturday with a headset on? Uh, not with a headset on right now. I'm definitely going to be there working with the 28 of Um Kevin good. is a super good friend of mine. 
Um, so I'll be helping them tune on it. And, and, and as we talked, know, right before we called you, uh, Kevin, right, posted his best career finish at Owasso the last time we were there. Yeah, I mean, old Diesel, he's he's had a lot going for him over the last you know, year, really. Like, this time last year, they really started coming out hot. He had super good runs going at Winchester before dumb things taken up, had taken him out of the race. Um, he's had a couple good runs going for him at Bertrand before things took him out of the race. Um, honestly, super strong run at Berlin last week for somebody that really doesn't have a boatload of experience there, um, especially this year on the new tire. I mean, that was only his second shake at it. So, um, you know, he's he's not somebody to sleep on. Like, he's he's won a boatload of races in, in his, you know, driving career, if you will. And, um, you know, I, I definitely think a lot of him as a driver and as a friend and, you know, if there's anything I can do to be there to help him, I definitely will be. Well, man, uh, we could talk with you about racing all night uh, from everything that's going on in the 131 and, you know, getting a chance to race in the Battle of Berlin and, and you know, all the things that you're that you're doing, uh, or, or was it Money in the Bank? Regardless, uh, you know, the, the things that you're getting a chance to do, Red Bud 400 and, and now with the Modified, uh, we, we could talk for a really long time. But just kind of wrap this up and, and tell everybody, Really kind of, and I'd love to do this because we get so wrapped up in things. How much fun are you having this year, right, with, with Stan and Judy and with your program with the 57 uh, modified and, and just, you know, whether you're on the tower or you're in the in the pits turning wrenches for Kevin or, you know, whatever. It just seems like even when you were so frustrated at the Red Bud and throwing things at it, you guys were still just having a, a really good time. Yeah, man. Like, you know, like I mentioned earlier, it's it's really easy to get wrapped up in the moment with everything that's going on here, but you gotta you gotta take some time to step back and appreciate all the fun stuff that's happening and you know, really some very once in a lifetime opportunities or unique opportunities that we get to do. So I have tried to take some extra time this, this summer to reflect on that and um honestly racing with Stan and Judy has given me some time to do that because I'm not working on two race cars in our shop anymore. Right. So um, that, that is definitely helpful and is, is also a big reason why our modified program has kind of come back to life. Um, cause I've had a little extra time and funds to dedicate to it, but, um, I am having a big time, man. And I just, I really hope to keep it rolling. Um, it's, uh, something that I wouldn't have imagined if you would have told me three years ago, like, you know, where we'd be racing now and what we'd be doing. Um, I probably would have chuckled at you and said, I don't know that I'd be racing at all at this point just wow. because, you know, I'm graduated from college now and, you know, just there's adult things that come up, right? Like, <laughs> so I don't, you know, especially at this level, I don't know that I, I would have thought I'd be racing here. So, um, I'm, I'm extremely grateful for all of it. And I, I try to, you know, try my best to, to, you know, at least show that appreciation to everybody that comes and works with us. But there's no doubt I can be an, an, an intense person at the track. And I hope that I don't wear the people out <laughs> around me doing that. But, um, you know, I, I guess if I, uh, I guess if I wasn't, that was a good sign that I wouldn't care, right? So, well, see, you know, see I, I want to be there and do our best. See what happens when you become a uh, Red Bud 400 winning spotter and then a Glass City 200 winning driver. Now, now you don't have time to do anything but put your put your butt in a seat. <laughs> yeah, man. Like I have, so my girlfriend and I are going to go out to Colorado next week, which is awesome. That's our first like vacation all summer. Well, I mean, I've had a lot of vacationing this summer with racing but <laughs> at the racetrack. Non- <laughs> yeah, our first non-racing activity all all year and um butch tried to schedule a test for next weekend and i kind of felt felt like bad at first i'm like man like you know i guess should i be home to go do that and it's like <laughs> well you know i i wish i could be both places at once but i guess one weekend out of the summer maybe i shouldn't feel guilty about going and doing something other than racing so 
I don't know. <laughs> well, Blake, we're going to give you a chance, man. Um, no, first of all, congratulations. Uh, Matt, or Hot Shoe 100, number three for you. Uh, now's your chance. I know there's names on the side of that 57 machine that uh, that make it all possible for you to do what you do. Yeah, first and foremost, my parents, man. They, uh, they've they spent more money than I ever hoped to know, um, you know, supporting me racing since I, you know, I started at six years old in quarter midgets and they stuck it out with me ever since. So, um, you know, my parents, their business real portable welding, um, without them, there's certainly no way we'd be doing this. Um, Rush RV, Grace Towing Service, Barnett Financial and Tax, um, all the folks at Howe, you know, put a really good race car together for us. And, uh, the same with the people at Wagner, um, great engines and i'll tell you we were using all of it at Owasso saturday night it, it takes a whole lot of power to get around that place um or at least fast and uh we were using everything they had for us um i really got to say you know big thank you to the grace you know, the gray family and everybody at the middle modified tour for making the modified stuff so fun to come to you i mean don't get me wrong like i've had plenty of moments where i want to just dedicate my time to temple light model racing and i really wonder if the modified stuff is you know, the right place for me to be, but they, they make so much fun to come and do that. It, it is really difficult to think about leaving it, you know? So I'm, um, I'm thankful for all that. I mean, they could, you know, if this, if this series were in a basket case or something, there's no way we'd be coming and doing it, but they really take good care of everybody. And, uh, um, you know, all their sponsors, Rex Wheeler and everybody up at Owasso Speedway, Rex, Jeff, and their whole crew have, have made that place really worth something to go do. Um, and then all of our crew at the racetrack, man, they, they're all volunteers. The, the pay is terrible. And like I said, I can be kind of intense. So I don't know that I make it as much fun as it should be sometimes, but <laughs> they come back anyways. So, um, I got to thank, you know, Dave and Doug DeGarmo. Um, they, they spend a lot of time, uh, during the summer with us. Um, Justin West, Dale Spencer, they're, they're my spotters. They fill in for me, uh, based on their schedules. Both of them do a fantastic job. Um, my cousin Nolan, my girlfriend Courtney, my mom, um, I mean, we, we've got a small village at the racetrack with us just about every weekend. If, if you see us around the track, there's typically a, a small, a small group there. And, uh, we, we try to have some fun with it. So, um, I'm sure I'm missing a whole bunch of people, but, um, you know, it does take a village to, to make these things go around the racetrack. Well, I tell you what, man, you figured it out. Uh, you got a Wasso Speedway handled. You got the Hot Shoe 100 handled. I don't know. Let's maybe we should take it to uh, maybe we should take it to like Watkins Glen or something. Put him on a road course and see if he can still <laughs> figure it out uh, with with yeah. these modifieds. But uh, we'll see you Saturday at Wasso Speedway, and uh, who knows, man? Maybe you'll go back to back, not as a driver, but uh, it would be pretty cool to see Kevin Cremonesi punch one out for 10K on Saturday, uh, and that would be awesome too. So, uh, Blake, man, thank you for making time for us tonight. Congratulations on another Hot Shoe 100, and we'll see you Saturday at Owasso. Awesome. Thank you, guys. Thank you again for having me. Well, Rich, let's jump back to the uh, other winners this weekend category. An interesting format and a big race at New Paris Speedway over the weekend. And we're on the phone lines now with uh, one of the drivers who got it done in the dual 50s category at uh, New Paris Speedway. He makes his home in Elkhart, Indiana. Austin Maynard, welcome into Horsepower Happenings. Hey, thank you guys for having me. Well, I tell you, we said this at the top of the show. We're going to talk more about street stocks tonight than we have probably ever in the history of horsepower happenings. Um, and, and part of the reason, before we get into your wins, Austin, is, and I said this in our social media post, I believe that street stocks right now in 2023 have more traction with the race fan than I think they probably have had in 
10, 15 years maybe. Um, and that's on dirt and pavement. I hear dirt fans talk about how much they love street stocks. I hear asphalt fans talk about how much they love street stocks. And I know that you've got experience racing late model sportsmen and, and street stocks and, and maybe some modified stuff as well and, and a little bit of everything. Kind of talk about that, touch on that. I mean, I know you've seen it in the payout structure and the attendance at these races. What is going on with street stocks right now, and why does everybody love them so much? Man, I just honestly think that uh, it's your it's your normal everyday uh, work guys class. You know, we all get up and go to work, um, have full time jobs, and and we still get you know still get our racing fix that we don't necessarily maybe have to spend as much time in the garage as you know like a super team or or a high end modified team. But it's just you know still put a lot of time in. It's just something that um, you know we could do with our families. A lot of traveling rules are closer together. Um, that, you know, we could just do as a team and a family. And and I think that's part of it. The other thing I think is part of it is these are steel-bodied warriors that you guys can put on a hell of a show, uh, really at any racetrack. I mean, there's clips, right, of you of you racing Brock and and countless people. The race at Kalamazoo, Rich and I were at, was was phenomenal. Um, the way that you can still lean on somebody respectfully and just race your heart out in these uh in these cars and and get away with it oh yeah for sure you definitely can get away with a lot more um you know banging a little bit um you know goes back to the rubbins racing on that you know that type of stuff without you know bending something serious in the front end or you know expensive shocks all the time but uh yeah i mean it's 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 a great class a lot of tough competitors and and it's it's really getting big as far as with you know with payoffs. What I think is what I think is cool, Austin, is now you never know when you go to a big race. There are template super late model drivers and sometimes outlaw drivers that are going down getting in street stocks um, that want to do this, and you would never see that before. Oh no, no, yeah, it's uh, and I, and I think also too, it's a lot of that uh, it brings back you know for a lot of different people is. Um, you know, that street stocks were huge in, you know, in the eighties and nineties, early two thousands, you know, going back to new Paris, they're having, you know, all the way to F features all the time, you know? So I think that brings us back a lot of memories for a lot of people as, as the street stocks have always been, been big. And then they kind of, you know, died off and now, you know, we're starting to make their return. Let's go back to new Paris twin fifties is I, we don't see that very often. We know Berlin runs twin twin features uh, on a regular basis. That's their format throughout the night. But is that a situation where you have to decide at the beginning of the night which one you're going to be good in, or do, you know, are you able to throw on new tires for each one and 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 be able to go after both of them? No. So what what they did the whole the whole gist on the the twin fifties for the for the you know, Danny and Jake Galloway. It was a memorial race at first that started for, for Danny Galloway. And, um, you know, Jake has, has passed away the last couple of years. So, um, they wanted to do something special and, and put a race together for both of those guys, for, you know, to remember in remembrance for them. So, uh, what they did is they decided they wanted to do these odds and evens top 32 lock in, uh, 16th fastest in each race. And uh, everyone raced for the same money. So, how, how many cars did you guys have? How, how many did you guys they have in Paris? We had a total of sixty cars. Oh Holy my lord! Smokes. <laughs> yeah. So they even had a you know an odd even last chance races 
you know, to get into that show, which is, it's, it's crazy that, uh, they had that many, but it's, it's also great for, for the Galloway family in, in that race. Well, and, and on the format too, when you hear twin fifties, like rich, uh, you, you think it's going to be 50 laps invert or something, some sort of change up and run another 50. What were your thoughts on that format to kind of split the field and, and, give everybody i don't know is it still an equal shot at the same amount of money i don't know what were your thoughts on that format uh, at first you know the the flagger boys always been the 18 fastest cars last first i was kind of skeptical about it i'm like man i want to race against the best you know 18 or 20 cars locking i want to race against the best the top 20 fastest cars sure uh but you know and then like i said this it's for for the jake and and danny you know kind of did it together so i mean they're a big part of the new paris speedway and and um you know after we got there and seen how many how many good race cars there was um i i was glad they did it because you know it not only maybe gave you know one guy that couldn't be a top 20 fastest but he still was able to get in the top 32 and, and make the show and, and have a chance at a, a, a really good payout that they were offering if I was running that Austin and I saw that payout, I would not want to have to challenge myself with the top twenty. I'll stick. <laughs> I'll stick with the top ten fastest and and take my chances. Right, right. And, and you were. Let's go back to that, right? I mean, after qualifying, um, you guys all kind of qualified close, and you were toward the top of the speed charts, man. You had to have that confidence early in the day. Oh yeah, you know, being the last year's. Uh, winner of that race was the first time I ever won that race and you know in a couple of years trying so um, we've always been really good at New Paris and uh, you know my dad just picked up the Sizzler modified portion uh, of that last Friday so uh, that's where we grew up you know that's where we've always raced so um, it's always nice to go there and, and be successful and yeah we were second quick so that started off the day really good and we knew we had a good shot let's talk about um another big race that was a little bit earlier in the season austin and uh this was plymouth right and and this was back uh fourth of july weekend big weekend for us i w you were on my radar i wanted to bring you on the show but it just didn't work with scheduling um so i i want to take this opportunity now to go back and talk about plymouth um first and foremost right plymouth coming back to its uh, you know original calling as a as a pavement racetrack. Talk about the work that's been done there, Kevin and everybody, um, to resurrect this place as an asphalt racetrack and, and everything they're doing over there. Man, they they are doing a great job. I uh, Plymouth by by far is my favorite racetrack. Um, Kevin, Vern, his whole their whole family, Tony, you know Ryan and Tech Inspector, Lisa. I mean everybody there is top notch. Um, always make you feel welcome. Kevin's done an awesome job doing it, you know, making sure the track's always prepped. You know, just the amount of work that he's put into that place is is, is crazy. And um, I know Ber Berlin is, is one of my favorite racetracks to go watch and, and look at. and um, Super nice facility, and I, I would rank Plymouth Speedway as, as, you know, very close to that. What is it about that racetrack that really kind of gives you the, the feelings that you're talking about, right? I mean, it, we, we see a lot of racetracks that are similar. You can take notes at one and, and be ready for the other. What is it about Plymouth that ranks so high on your list? Uh, you know, for one, we've won a lot of big races there. So <laughs> That'll do it, uh, right? That, I mean, that, he... <laughs> that always seems to help, you know. And honestly, funny story is, you know, first time Plymouth went to asphalt, um, I took, you know, I had both cars, a sportsman car and, and my uh, street stock, and 
first time out on the track and you know raced and i told my guys and my wife i said man i don't know if i like this place to be honest with you <laughs> and you know just something it was just something that you know we weren't used to or you know we've never ran before and and uh usually i can adapt and and get to a track you know get get on the track and, and adapt pretty quickly but uh, i just for some reason plymouth i struggled with for a week or two and finally picked up on it but just the facility the track surface um you know just just everything about it i mean it's just it's just every everybody's so nice they take care of everybody make sure everything's taken care of um and and you know when when a track promoter and, and a track owner really you know you know, puts all their time into, and it's something we like to do. You know, you always, you always got to be thankful for that. How were, how were the first couple of nights back? Um, I know that there was a lot of work put in to get the dirt cleaned up, get the, get the track clean again, fix what was underneath that needed fixed. Um, how has that track progressed over the year since, uh, or, or over the seasons, I should say, I forget that it has already been a year. How, how has that track progressed since they cleaned it up? Oh, it's, uh, it's, it's changed quite a bit. And, um, you know, they had to do a, a pretty good sized patch in the middle of, uh, three and four there. That was, you know, it was pretty slick at first. Um, and, and it's, it's definitely come around and, and it has been a lot better, but, uh, Phil Bozell actually made a comment to me and said, Hey, uh, when, when Berlin, when they cover that with dirt and they scrape it off, that's the fastest that racetrack is, you know, has ever, has ever been. Really? And, uh, I mean, he, he was right. I mean, Plymouth, I mean, there's been a couple track records broken here and there, but uh, I know like, you know, Mark Shook still got the, the track record on the outlaw super lates and, you know, Brandon Zachary still got the street stock track record from, from, you know, the first couple weeks of, of being asphalt. Talk to me about these street stocks. I mean, there's a lot more under them, I think, than what people think. Um, you know, they're they're pretty much they look like street stock bodies, but you know, some guys make them, some some guys buy them aftermarket. But tell us about these street stocks, specifically yours, and what's the secret that you kick their butt all the time? <laughs> and and by and the it, way, it's just us talking. You don't you know nobody else going to hear this. <laughs> See, Rich used to race right. these cars, so he always wants to find out what the speed secrets are. He forgets that five to six hundred people a week listen to this show. You don't <laughs> have to give all the secrets away, uh, but give us an idea what's going on under them. Yeah, so uh, I mean, a lot of people, and that's what the the cool thing is about street stocks is you could look at. 10 different street stocks, good street stocks, and, and everybody's doing something different, you know, at the spring package, you know, whether, you know, shocks, you know, whatever it may be, trailing arming. I mean, everybody is totally different. And that's the, that's the coolest part about it is, um, you could bounce around and talk to, you know, people, me, you know, me and my brother, he races street stocks and we always talk and he's always doing something different for me. I mean, um, and, and I think a lot of the part, you know, a lot of the, the, the speed is, is, you know, we always say who can read the tape measure the best, yeah. you know, I mean, if it's square, you know, wheels are tracked in the right line, you just, you know, there's just a lot of factors that go into these things and, and it all has to work together, you know. What is the, and see, I look at street stocks now and I think, man, these things have progressed to a point where. I think the line between a street stock and a sportsman is really thin and really blurry, um, but you own and race both. How close are they getting as far as technology? And, and I know, you know, okay, you know, full, full, full frame versus a, you know, tubular frame. Okay, there's the big difference, but how close sure. are they getting? I mean, is the technology kind of closing in on each other? 
Oh, for sure. I mean, you got, I mean, you know, we got Rocket Fab, you know, Tyler Roark putting some, making us, you know, getting us some shocks built for these things. On a street um, stock? On a street stock. My know? Lord. I mean, there's, <laughs> there's, there's steel bodies, but, you know, that's, that's the rule. Uh, other than, yeah, the full frame versus a tubed car, I mean, it's, I mean, it, every, you know, this, you're using the same squaring tools, you know, you know, it just it's it's getting pretty close and uh i i definitely hope it doesn't go much further or we you know we will be calling them sportsmen but uh and where do you draw the line right i mean where do you determine what to put money into having raced and, and owned both and I, I don't know do you still have a sportsman car sitting there no we actually sold that last uh like first of october we okay. sold that so where do you draw the line i mean what is the what is the straw that breaks the proverbial camel's back that's a good question because I mean, <laughs> everybody sure, talks I'm about sure. it right everybody says oh the I'm sport's sure. getting too expensive this class you know front wheel drives are supposed to be the money saver now we've got outlaw front wheel right. drives and you know now we've got crown vicks that are supposed to be the money saver and they're it's already the, it's splitting the prom- it's the promoter's fault yeah, we, <laughs> so we're if yeah if, if it involves racing it, it it ain't cheap no more no matter what there's no such thing as a beginner class no more in my yeah. opinion you know i mean it, there's a starting point to where you you know, but uh, you you get that taste of blood of that first win, and you know it doesn't matter what it takes, and uh, you know after that you know you're gonna spend what you have to spend to to make it happen. And, and I'm but gonna as far as go ahead, sorry. As far as drawing the line, I'm sure I'm sure there's a lot of people that look at mine or or you know Brock's or you know who's ever good and fast and said, well, that thing shouldn't be in this class. You know, I mean, every, everybody's got their opinion on street stocks and, you know, our generation of racing is, is okay with it. But you, you talk to guys that are, you know, race for 20, 30 years and, and it's already gone too far, you know, I mean, for them, you know, so, um, ain't that, right, mean, Rich? Last, <laughs> ain't that right, Rich? In the last, yeah. <laughs> in the last 10 years, you know, of, of you know, I've raced for this, my, 13th or 14th year and it's i mean when i i started in street stocks or i started i started in a front wheel drive but for a half a season then we went to street stocks but even even from then and i'm i surely didn't know half of what i do now but uh it, it it's changed a lot for sure uh, well and i wanted to say and i'm going to touch on this subject uh cautiously you know we have an association with cra i announced for cra and we kind of mentioned where do you draw the line on on cost and and what it takes to run, and you get Rich mentioned the promoters, and now we're seeing it affect right what's happening in the industry. And you were one of the first ones back when Shady Bowl was our season opener this year who said, "I'd love to run with CRA. They're great to run with. They're fun to run with. They bring great guys, but I can't justify the cost versus what it's going to you know what it'll pay if I even win this thing." Um, and CRA is not the only one that's facing that. It's just a great example because it's it is or was, depending on your opinion, the premier touring series for street stocks. And now yeah. it's a struggle because uh, the, the series can't afford to pay what it takes to run a street stock because the price is so astronomical to run a street stock now. It's a scary, vicious yeah. cycle. Um, and only very recently are we seeing New Paris, Plymouth, Kalamazoo, the three that come to mind, step up with at least a couple memorial races that pay big money for expensive expensive street stocks. No, yeah, you're you're exactly right. I mean, I I would I would love to race a uh, a CRA, you know, a full schedule. Um, 
you know, I, I wish, you know, I know it's hard for them and it's not it's beyond my control of what they can do or anybody else's, but you know, I, I don't want to go to, I don't want to go to Anderson and, and Winchester three times a year. You know, that's just not my style of racing, but, um, I, yeah, I mean, it's just the, the cost. I mean, I could race around, around home and, and not have the cost to travel and, and race for, you know, sometimes it's triple what they, what they pay. You know I mean, and, and like, yeah, it's, it's nothing, you know, a thousand dollar race four or five years ago was great money to go for. But, uh, you know, he like and here in the last couple of years with, with Plymouth and Kalamazoo, um, Lorraine, they just Lorraine County, uh, Randy just had a big, big race over there for street stocks. So, uh, it's hard, it's hard to beat that, that type of money to not go for yeah, like I like I was saying, you know, we have a lot of friends or promoters, Zach, so I'm not going to roll our buddies under the bus here. But they're, it's like race car drivers. They're their worst enemy, too, right? They keep putting all this money up, and the cars will come, and you're putting 5000 I When I raced, the highest-paying street stock I've had back in my years was $1,000. 5000 was unheard of. And as these promoters keep putting it up um, – you guys are building these cars and putting more into them saying, Hey, if we win this, we're going to win five grand. Right, Austin. Exactly. Right. And that, you know, I've said, I've said it the last couple of years. If you, if you pay money, the race cars will come for sure. Is the street stock class to a point where it needs to be rain, reined in, brought in a little bit. I mean, and where do you start with that? Is it a, is it a shock rule? Is it, I mean, I think everybody knows that practice days are killer with having to buy tires. Um, is where open motors versus you know maybe you put a crate rule together or something? I don't I don't know. Uh, I'm more of an announcer than I am a tech guy. Uh, maybe we should bring Eddie Chu on too. But what what do you think, Austin, is the start to trying to get these cars back under control? Because, like you said, and Rich mentioned, this truly was. A, a game of a guy who worked nine to five or nine to nine and went to the race garage afterwards. And I really think it's starting to push that guy out because he can't afford to build a competitive street stock on that, on that, you know, budget anymore. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, man, I, I don't know. It's just, you know, times have changed so much, um, uh, with the way, you know, race cars are built and, you know, you're putting them on a jig and you're not, you know, you're not doing it on your floor no more, you know, and trying to, trying to make a straight line. Uh, I, I don't know. It's, it's just so hard for me to say what, you know, I mean, there's a lot of little rules you can nitpick to try to save a guy some money. Um, you know, but at, at the end of the day, you know, we're, they're still race cars yeah. and, um, <laughs> you know, I mean, it's not like we're, we're going to the junkyards anymore. And, right. And, you know, like my dad, you know, he's been, he's raced for 30 years and, you know, talked about running on buy supply tires back in the day. And, mm-hmm. you know, and those, those were true street stocks. Go to Omnisource and, uh, and pull a Monte Carlo out of the line and put a cage in it. Right. <laughs> sure. You know, it's just, it's just the, the game of racing beyond circle track, drag racing. I mean, I got drag racing buddies. I mean, it's just the need for speed is. Is, is a money pit, unfortunately. I've know? got an idea. So. i got an idea. If you're a track promoter listening and a race car driver comes up to you and says, what do you think about making this legal for next year? Say it with me. No. 
<laughs> no, <laughs> right. <laughs> Let's talk about your family a little bit, Austin. You mentioned earlier uh, racing with your brother, Logan. What is that like? Uh, it's something that I'll never get a chance to experience. Uh, I got a chance to race with my dad, um, but never a sibling. And, you know, sibling stuff goes deep, deeper than people realize unless you have a sibling. Uh, so what's that been like racing for Logan? Or not for him, with him. Well, it, it's been fun, you know, and, and he's really the reason why we got back into street stock racing. Um, him and my uncle, uh, they, my uncle Brandon, they built uh, street stock a couple years ago for Logan over the winter, and, you know, he had a lot of success and, and was having a good time, and uh, I just, I just, you know, sportsman class around here started to, to die off a little bit. You know, they weren't paying them and were, you know, as, as good as they should have been, in my opinion, so... So that's what, you know, you know, we started racing street stocks for a guy at the South Bend every night, just something to do to have fun. And it turned into something bigger. And I, you know, we, we hit it at the right time with, with this way, you know, they've been, what they've been paying. So, but yeah, race with Logan. I mean, we, we talk a lot about uh, different things and try different things and, you know, I'm I'm sure he doesn't tell me everything, and I'm, you know, I know I don't tell him everything. You know, when the end, we're still competitors, but uh, you know, I I'd still do anything for him to to help him with whatever he needed for sure. Rich, we know a couple other brothers uh, in racing. I'm thinking of the Thurlbys, and and Dad laid it out early for them. You guys will not ever under any circumstances race in the same class together because I know you. Um, you guys, you guys ever have any awkward dinners uh, because of anything that happened on the, on the racetrack or anything like that? Oh yeah, we have. I mean, there's a couple, couple incidents at South Bend, you know, when we race South Bend weekly that, uh, you know, we, we, whether I ran into him or he <laughs> ran into me and, you know, he tore up his car pretty good, and you know, he it, he kept his car at my house, you know, my garage. Oh boy! <laughs> yeah, well, that, yeah, that 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 lasted all week. <laughs> that lasted till about Thursday, and from Saturday, and he finally, you know, we we really didn't know what happened, and he goes, "Hey, I think I had a flat tire before we hit." And I'm like. I, he knows I would never do that on purpose. But I right. just, did, I you give say, him, did you say, well, I, I think give I him, hit you? <laughs> yeah. I give, I give him a, you know, a mile rather than, you know, an inch. I'd give him more than, you know, and he knows that too. So we, we, we try to, you know, things are going to happen and, and, you know, beyond your control, but uh, definitely give my brother more room and or whatever he needs before anybody else. And, and something else that we've heard too among families is that you might race each other harder than you would other people. Do you ever find yourself uh, in the brother rivalry of not wanting Logan to, to do better than you, or is it the opposite, that if he's got the better car, you want to see him succeed? No, man. I, yeah. I, no, I never I never want to do I I've always, if, if he's better than me, you know, I, I accept that and and let him go on and, you know, win the race or, you know, whatever it may be. We always joke and say, hey, you get out front, I'll keep him off you. Yeah. You know, just. Let me just, find I, X in this you know, equation, I'm, too, real quick. Who's older? Uh, I'm old. I'm the oldest. Okay. So you got to look out for little yeah. bro. I understand. That that yeah. makes a lot of sense. <laughs> um, He's probably a lot smarter than it all, you know, than I am anyway. So, but, uh yeah, we, we even, you know, we raced, Dad had a street stock a few years ago, so it was all three of us. Oh, how was know, that? Like, oh, that was, you know, that was fun. That was fun. 
I, I think then, you know, with that in there, we did race each other a lot harder. But uh, I don't know what would have changed. But with that in the mix, we definitely wanted to beat him. So <laughs> we tried a little harder. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. Well, I'll tell you what. You've knocked a couple of big ones off. Uh, you, you've won more money on street stock, I think, this year than I'll see at the end of my taxes. Um, so... What's next, man? Uh, you know, we talk about coming so close at Kalamazoo. I say came so close. If you look at the results, it's not going to show that, but you had a damn fast car at Kazoo. You were my bet to win. And uh, I think maybe a little bit of luck and maybe a slight setup change, and, and you're up there um, mixing it up for the, for the win. What else is next? I mean, we talked about it at the beginning of the show. August is here. September's is around the corner. This is big money special season. Anything else left circled on your calendar? Yeah, we have a couple big ones left. Um, M40 uh, with the new owners, they're they're putting up a, a you know a big street stock race, three thousand to win on August 20, Sunday, August twenty seventh. Um, Brock's been very very good up there and uh, tough to beat. So we're gonna go take our shot and see what we what we can do and race you know race against those guys. Um, after that, um, really, it kind of slows down for me. We got the next Grand Slam at the Plymouth on Labor Day weekend. And then, um, man, I, it really, really slows down. We're going to try to shoot for Rockford, uh, the brackets again. Uh, we won that last year, and it's last year for Rockford, so we definitely want to make an appearance there. You know, I know that we just and, talked uh, about it, but I, I would, I, I'll cordially invite you to uh, to Winchester if you want. I mean, you know, we got that coming yeah. up too. <laughs> I, I, I know, I, I, I do need to get there. I just, uh, I don't know what it is. My, my dad's never been a big fan of of going to Winchester, and I just think kind of it's kind of rubbed off on me because dad knows when something you know, goes wrong at winchester it costs a lot of money <laughs> you either you're either holding the trophy or you're bringing your car home in a bucket i'm not <laughs> <laughs> sometime it's gonna happen we all know that so i just knowingly that it could happen there quicker and you could wreck anywhere it, i guess it doesn't really matter you know but i definitely do need to get to winchester and um but uh other than other than rockford i think we i mean we're, we are going to go to Nashville with the CRA race on the first week of November. So, um, give that, give that a shot. So Austin, for, first of all, congratulations, man. You're, you're, you're really putting together a real nice season and we're going to give you a shot now to, to just to give everybody a shout out who, who has a piece and helps you out on that race car. Oh man, there's so many people, you know, my dad, uh, my brother, my wife, my kids, um, my buddy Ryman, he puts in a lot of time here with me at the shop. My buddy Jimmy, same thing, always here whenever I am. Uh, Tyler Rorig, uh, with Rocket Fab, G Diamond Transport, Techwork Trailer Sales, Media Blast Solutions, uh, Preferred Incorporated. Um, you got, uh, P1 Performance. And uh, Al's Engines, um, Tech Work Trailer Sales. It wasn't for all those guys. I mean, sponsors are definitely what, what makes it go around, you know. Yeah, for sure, man. Well, hey, Austin, as Rich said, congratulations, man. You've pocketed uh, some, some big change this season. So uh, go get them the rest of the season, man. Good luck the rest of the way, and uh, we'll see you down in Nashville. Yeah, thanks, for guys, uh, for having me. And, yeah, we'll see you in Nashville.
Well, and as we hung up with him, he said, oh, yeah, I've never done one of these before. So Austin Maynard, a podcast rookie, uh, so congratulations to him. (laughs) Uh, He did a great job, didn't he, man? That was pretty good for having never done one of these before. Yeah, I'm glad we talked to him before we we actually got him on the air for a couple minutes because I did – I would have been so wrong. Yeah, I'm 30 years old. What? <laughs> I, I, I was expecting to hear, yeah, I graduate. I just graduated this year. Right, you know? right. Going to college yeah. in the fall. Uh, so thanks so much to Austin for making time for us. Uh, let's talk about this real quick, Rich. And uh, I, I think you've been in tune. You've talked to Jeff and Chad, I think, a little bit more than I have. This Bob Finley Memorial that's coming up for the Finley family at Owasso Speedway was going to be great at Corrigan Oil Speedway. But, man, oh, man, the excitement that surrounds it now that it's going to Owasso. Just give me a little taste of kind of what you've been hearing from them. Yeah, I I, I was able to talk to Jeff at, uh, at the Wood Tick up at Merritt and, you know, talking about what has come about. You know, sometimes when you Mother Nature steps in, it's a good thing. Well, it kind of worked out in this situation. You didn't want to have to do it that way, but the way it's worked out, the money that's now involved in this thing, it's just incredible. And, and and Jeff is just amazed. You know, he, I mean, you could almost see a tear come to his eye. Just, man, they're, they're doing this for my daddy, you know? Yeah. And, um, and they, they are so proud that they were able to find a place for it. They didn't want to have it go away somewhere, you know, for 2023. And uh, it's just going to be, be amazing at Owasso Speedway as part of the Fall Nationals. And... <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, coming up in a couple of weeks too, Rich. I mean, all of a sudden we had the we had the the date went by, and we said, oh, okay, well now now we're going to have to wait a while. We're already in the middle of August, Rich. This thing is gonna is gonna be here before we know it, um, and it's also a part of the reveal the hammer, you know, finale and the Owasso Nationals and um, coming up here uh, toward the end of September. This is going to be a huge deal. It, it is a big. It all of a sudden got really big. Did it? From, from, <laughs> When you go from July to the end of September, it now turns into one of those big money specials. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 Uh, so, um, you know, and they don't have to, you know, a lot of the guys that uh, if they were normally in years past that were considering running Glass City, uh, they don't have to worry about that the week before. Right. Um, so, no, I think it's, I'm, that's, th- there's, you know, you know me, there's a few outlaw races on my schedule every year that I just don't want to miss. And uh, this one, is going to be one of them. Power rankings for the state of Michigan. Uh, sprint car power rankings went out today. We had a couple of events that we were behind on. We got those updated, and I thought, man, this is really going to shake it up now that we get them updated. Uh, the winged Michigan dirt sprint car power rankings presented by Jim Coffee and Sun Plumbing and Heating serving the mid-Michigan area. Rich, the inner workings of the, of the standings changed a whole lot. Number one seed. Number one seed didn't budge. Max Stambaugh has that thing on lock, uh, just like he does the Great Lakes Super Sprints Northern Division Championship and the Great Lakes, uh, you know, Tour Championship. Max Stambaugh hasn't moved from the top of the board in a while, and uh, that cat and Smith Motorsports have got something figured out. They sure do. But one thing that did budge, and we know is going to budge when I complete it tomorrow, is that Outlaw Super Late Model. We are going to have a new point a new leader in the power rankings because I know what they were before and I'll just, I'll finish them up tomorrow. Just be, I was going to try to squeeze them in today and I just couldn't get a, sure. you know, get everything done. And I said, well, you know, we'll just get it. It wasn't a bad deal not to update them before the reveal, the, the Dixie classic. So we'll have it out this week. 
and there will be a new leader atop the power rankings for the Outlaw Superlay model. And we might even see somebody crack into the top ten for the first time. We don't. Who knows? Yeah, a little bit of shakeup in the Outlaws uh, in the last couple weeks. So yeah, sure. uh, that that's going to be interesting. Uh, you know, heading into their final races and. Uh, Flat Rock runs again this Saturday, the Outlaws. Okay. So that can really, it's going to change again next week. So we're getting into times where the Outlaws are getting some dates, and it can change on a weekly or biweekly basis. Absolutely. Uh, more than when they were just sitting around. So uh, getting awfully interesting as we wind down, like you said, towards the end of the darn season. Upcoming events, let's try it again. Uh, Dirt Car, UMP Late Models, you're invited to join the Great Lakes Super Sprints on Friday. I-96 Speedway, August 18th. It is uh, a great night of racing scheduled there for I-96 Speedway with the Great Lakes Super Sprints and Dirt Car UMP Late Models. It's going to be a big show, right? It's going to pay exactly what the Sprint cars pay to win. It's either uh, $2,000 minimum, but I think it's going to be a $2,500 sh show to win uh, for Late Models. So that's going to be a fantastic event on Friday. We mentioned Max Stambaugh has pretty much got this championship wrapped up. Greg Wilson, Jared Horseman, Kelsey Ivey, Greg Dahlman, Dustin Daggett, they don't give a darn. <laughs> they still want to go to Victory Lane just as bad as they did in June and July. So uh, fantastic racing last weekend at Hartford and Silver Bullet. I expect the same Friday at I-96 Speedway. Saturday, Butler Motor Speedway is, uh, I believe, giving the 410 sprint cars the night off because the Great Lakes Super Sprints are coming to town to uh, take on the 3 8 High Bank Dirt Oval for the final time here in 2023. So uh, Great Lakes Super Sprints. You might see some guys uh, dust off a 360 and drop in their 410 sprint car and uh, see what's going on on Saturday. But I won't be going across the street, Rich France. I'll be making the trip up to Owasso Speedway in Ovid, Michigan, to join you and, uh, you know, 35 of my closest friends for the 11th annual Masters of the Pros 184 at Owasso Speedway, $10,000 and a green jacket on the line at the end of 184 laps for the JEG CRA All-Stars Tour. What do you think? That, that's going to be amazing, but I have a question for you. Uh huh. I can't believe I'm asking this because... At my age, I don't want to work any more than I have to. You know that, right? I know, yeah. Can I go to practice at Owasso? Can I get to I-96 for my dirt late models and then get back to Owasso for Saturday? What a Would that be a great two days? I'm tell Hey, they didn't put a governor on that car since the last time I saw it, have they? <laughs> They're not that far apart. That's right, man. Uh, you just you use that right foot a little bit. I think you can make it happen. Put so. my name on the list at I-96. You may yes, just sir. see me roll on in there. Yes, sir. You got it. All right. That's going to do it. Long show tonight. we got to get a wrapped up. So on behalf of Scott Menlin, who pays the bills, Rich France, my partner, I'm Zach Heiser, thanking you so much for tuning in to another episode of Horsepower Happenings. And, of course, we say thanks to Austin Maynard and Blake Rowe for making time to join us on this edition of Horsepower Happenings. You've been listening to Horsepower Happenings. The views and opinions expressed in tonight's show may not directly reflect that of Horsepower Happenings. The contents of this program may not be reproduced, retransmitted, or disseminated without the express written consent of Horsepower Happenings. Follow Horsepower Happenings on Facebook, Instagram, Spotify, and iTunes to keep up on what's happening.